This program was paid for by the friends and partners of Bruce Downs Catholic Ministries. Well, hello everybody. It's wonderful to have you with us. I pray wherever you are that you know that God is with you exactly in the place where you are, which is the same for all of us here. I've one of the most important meetings probably of my lifetime uh, coming up next Monday. And I have actually been thinking whether that is an exaggerated comment or not. And the truth is, as I have been reflecting on it, it truly is. What is about to happen next week is probably one of the most important things that I have ever been to in my entire working life or working career. Um, and if it goes the way that I think it will, and I pray it will, then it will affect the lives, without exaggeration, of millions of people around the world. Uh, our influence on... Our influence on people in many, many places uh, is significant. She'll be right. She'll be right. She makes a noise. She makes a noise. Um, and uh, if it does, uh, we've been very blessed that God has taken what we do and has used it for, uh, to touch many people's lives. Uh, I've had people say to me uh, recently who've said to me, you know, you guys have done enough. You've done enough. You can just take a bit of a break now. You can go a bit slower now. Um, so many people in so many places um, are writing to us. So many people are being affected. So many people are being watch, are watching. And, um, and, and, and yet there's a restlessness within me that the scriptures talk about that I don't think I can go, go without. At a recent Faith Builder event here, I shared a verse of scripture that's been very powerful in my life. And it's from Luke chapter 12, verse 48. And it says this, from everyone to whom much has been given, much will be required. And from the one who, to whom much has been entrusted, even more will be demanded. And if you have a look at these two bits that I've highlighted, the, the words that jump out at me is much will be required and even more will be demanded. The interesting thing about the Christian life is that when you are blessed, God wants more from you. And, and I feel that restlessness within me. Um, and so I come from a family of five boys and uh, my four brothers, my four brothers, they're not particularly people of, uh, they're not altogether sure where their faith is, they're not all that involved in church, um, uh, as some of them have come back, some are not. And, and, and I think to myself, then why am I, why, am, why is much expected of me? What has been given to me? You know, am I, why am I just lucky? Am I just blessed? Am I just special that somehow I have belief and my brothers don't? And, uh, and I've done much, that's true. And yes, we've done much. And because we have done much, God wants us to do more. And that's why the scriptures talk about so much about God just uses what we do and, and, and ask all of us. Um, in, in some ways, I just feel that we, and all those who are helping us around the world and part of us around the world, I just feel that we're getting going. I feel like, I was thinking the other day, you know, I, I was talking to someone and they were retiring, and they're about my age, and I thought, well, how unfortunate are you that we're just getting to get going, you know? And, uh, and so knowing the importance of next Monday and, uh, and, and, uh, and to pray for God's intervention, and to ask for God's help uh, is what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about how do we ask for God to come. Um, 
Uh, and I got, but I got, to be, I got to thinking about it. Why would we ask other people to pray? Why, whenever we have needs, do we ask people to pray? Why do, we, when we have needs, we come and we say, will you pray for me? Why is it on our prayer wall, there are tens of thousands of prayer requests that have all come in the last little while? Why wouldn't, why wouldn't we just go straight to God and say to God, God, would you meet my need? Why do we have to ask anybody else to pray? And that question's really been on my mind lately. Um, and uh, I get asked by so many people in so many places I go, will you pray for me? People come up to me at events. They, it happens all the time here. And, and uh, faith, the, the faith builder event we had a few days last week, people come along and they slip pieces of paper into your hands and they've got names on them. There's people who've got, who are sick, who are ill. There are people who've got facing financial issues. They've got parents who have issues with children. There are relationships that are difficult. And people slip pieces of paper in their hand and they say, will you pray? And, I got to, and I've been thinking about that and thinking, well, why would I pray? Because you can go direct to God and God already knows. Why, would, why do we have to ask each other? Um, and, uh, and my answer is always, yes, I'll pray. And yet lately I've been thinking, why will I pray? Why do I pray? Think about it. Can I change anything? I can't grow hair on my head. What can I do for someone? Why don't we just put all of our effort, why don't we put all of our time, all of our energy just into saying to God, God, would you pray? Why do we ask each other to pray? Why when this meeting next week that can touch the lives and affect the lives of so many people, why wouldn't I just pray to God and, and, and just directly? Why, would, why do I feel compelled to ask other people to pray? I want to talk about that. Um, uh, why, you know, because it, I've been thinking to myself, why would I waste the energy? Why would I waste the time? Why would I have my thought life, my breath to ask God, to ask others to pray? Um, now, what becomes quickly evident when you study this, what becomes quickly evident when you study this is that different denominations have different points of view about, about this topic. And this is one of the big areas of division in Christianity between denominations. And uh, I know, you know, that there's great controversy between Catholics and Protestants, Evangelicals, Pentecostals about this. And, and no matter how I approach it today, no matter how I talk about it, someone is going to have a different of opinion. There is no possible way that I can keep everybody happy by talking about this. And, and whilst I know that we have people who are Catholics, Evangelicals, Protestants, Pentecostals and many other denominations who participate in what we're doing. I don't want to divide anybody, but the truth is I can't talk about it with us not having differences. Um, uh, I know for a fact that I have met many Catholics, uh, oh, sorry, I've met many Catholics who are very holy, but I have met many Protestants, Evangelicals and Pente Pentecostals who are far holier and godly people than me. And to be honest with you, are far holier than many Catholics that I've met. And so, so division is an interesting thing. So how do I speak about intercessory prayer, asking people to pray when I can't get unity among us and I can't get unity among people watching? Um, see, let me say this. Whenever we enter into ecumenical dialogue or conversation between people from different Christian traditions, 
we must do so with humility, with gentleness, honesty, and love, holding on to our view as we see it and yet being open to the Holy Spirit to draw us closer together despite our different viewpoints rather than move us apart. I don't read many things, but I read that because I wanted to put it on the screen, on the screen now. Whenever we enter into ecumenical dialogue or conversation between people from different Christian traditions, we must do so with humility, gentleness, honesty and love, holding on to our view as we see it and yet being open to the Holy Spirit to draw us closer together despite our different viewpoints rather than our differences drive us apart. And there's a key line in there that says, um, that says holding on to our view. As Christians and from the different denominations that we're from, we shouldn't for the sake of, well, let's all get on, quickly abandon our view. We need to hold on to our conviction, hold on to our belief of what it is. But difference doesn't mean we need to be disunified. Um, Rosemary and I have been married for 40 years and, and uh, there are certain topics, despite the fact that we love each other um, and all that we've been through, there are certain things, topics that we completely disagree on. We just completely disagree and we've disagreed all our married life on. Um, I think Rosemary is wrong. And to the same degree that I think Rosemary is wrong, on particular subjects, she thinks I'm wrong. And, uh, and, and I cannot see, we cannot see, in any possible scenario in the future, on those particular topics, that we will be of the same opinion. We disagree with each other. You know? But our differences are not the point of division. Uh, but a recognition of this, it's a recognition of our human condition. That we are frail. That we are limited. That we are conditioned by how we've been raised. By our personal capabilities. By our intellect and our intelligence. By our environment. We do not know all things. And have every understanding. That's all of us. And so when we come together to talk about things that are difficult, we have to come to them with humility. Um, and therefore, we love each other by understanding ourselves. Look at that on the screen. We love each other by understanding ourselves. We always love out of the point of knowing who we are and what our frailty is and where we are. I don't know everything. I am not perfect. Um, and my viewpoint has always been, if I can deal with, d disagree with Rosemary that I love more than anyone else in the world, um, and any human being on earth, then I can disagree with you on matters of doctrine and theology and, and not have to be disunified from you. I can just agree that we disagree, and it's okay. And... Uh, and so I'm not going to say everything today about what I want to talk about. But what I want to talk about today, I want to talk about the power, the purpose, and the place of intercessory prayer in our, in our lives. Because the Scripture seems very clear that if we want God's hands to move, then we need to ask each other to pray. And next Monday has the potential to reach millions of people's lives as we look at how do we take what God is doing among us 
and spreading that in ways that is just even hard to imagine and to places and countries all over the world. Now, when we think about what, what intercession is, what intercession is, intercession means this, to go or come between two parties, to plead b- before one of them on behalf of the other one. Another way of saying this is to use the word mediation. Mediation means a standing in the midst between two contending parties for the purpose of bringing them together. And so Jesus came into the earth to bring human beings and God together. It says in, two Tim- in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, we're going to have a Bible feast today, and it says this, For there is one God, there is one mediator between God and human Christ, uh, humankind, Christ Jesus himself, who gave himself a ransom for all. So here is humanity, here is God, and Jesus came and stood in the middle. He contended between the two parties to bring them together. Uh, and, And then once Jesus has done that, where did Jesus go? Where did Jesus go? Well, in Hebrews 10, 12, it says, but when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, his death and resurrection, he sat down at the right hand of God. He sat down at the right hand of God. And what is Jesus doing at the right hand of God? Well, in Romans 8, 34, it says, he's at the right hand of God who indeed intercedes for us. So right now, Jesus, who has died and risen and gone to heaven, he then took up his place in heaven and his place is at the right hand of the Father. And all of the time, he's making intercession for us. He's interceding for us, you know, all the time. He's sitting beside God the Father and he's saying, there's John. Hey, God the Father, look at him, 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 you know. There's David, look at him. God the Father, would you look at David? You know, God the Father, would you look at that person, you know, Victoria, who's in Dallas in the US, you know? He's saying, would you look at the Pope? He's saying, would you look at every single person? He's interceding. He's saying, have mercy, be gracious, pull your love on, allow your plan to be unveiled availed in their life. The whole time, Jesus is interceding for us, the entire time. Now, John warns against us, and he says this in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And, he's atone- and, he's, and he's, he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not for ours but only, but also the sins of the whole world. Have a look at that second sentence. But if anyone does sin, we are an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. When we sin, Jesus is sitting beside the Father and he's the whole time saying, hey, look at, look, look at him, look, Jesus, uh, God the Father, look, I've already died for him. I've already saved for him. He's okay. The whole time. So when we have needs, there's one thing that the Scriptures are very clear The scriptures are very clear. When we have needs, number one, we should go directly to God. We should go directly to God. When we have needs, when we have something that we want or need, we should go directly to God and we should ask God. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, it says this, Since then we have a great high priest, that's Jesus. What does a priest do? A priest worships on behalf of, goes in before, intercedes, 
Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness. Why? Why can't why can he sympathize with our weakness? Because Jesus was human. Jesus walked on the earth. But we have one in every at respect uh, has been tested as we are. Jesus has been tested, yet without sin. Let us therefore approach the throne of grace with boldness, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Have you ever been going through a difficult, difficult situation? And you walk to someone and, and you come to them and you can go and talk to someone who has have never experienced it. And then you talk to someone who has experienced what you're going through. And they have understanding of what it is. They have understanding of what it is. I was talking to, talking to some, a couple of pastors the other day on people who preach all the time and speak all the time. And we were comparing notes on having to get up and talk every day. They understood that was like. If I went to my father, who was a very good man, and I talked to my dad about giving talks in front of in in in, in the public, my dad couldn't relate to it because guess what? He never did. And I meet people all the time, and they say to me things like, "I don't know how you stand up there and talk like that." And yet, when I talk to other people who stand up front and talk like that, it's like, "Yeah, okay, this is just it's just it's just as normal." And as normal can be. It's a little bit like I've met people who are great cooks. As you know, I'm a fantastic cook. But, you know, it is, is I've met people who are great cooks. And when cooks get together and they talk, it's almost like there's a language. I have a couple of friends of mine who are doctors that I know. And if you put them in the same room and you're there listening to them when they're talking, I have no idea what they're saying. There's, there, you know, and so, and so Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father. He has walked on earth. He has experienced temptation, sin, struggle, death. And he's beside the Father and he's saying, based on my experience, Father, let me tell you all about what they're going through right now. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. He's interceding for us. And so when we have needs, we go to Jesus and we say, Jesus, you're already there. Would you present the need? If you've ever had to go to speak to someone powerful and you want something or you need to meet with them, sometimes you go and find someone who knows someone. And that's exactly what Jesus is doing here. So when we have needs, and, and if you look at the last sentence, you put it up again for me, please, Dave. It says, that, and find grace to help in time of need. In the Good News Bible, it says to help us just when we need it. So Jesus is there to help us just when we need it. Just when we need it. So if Jesus is interceding for us, why would we go to anyone else? Why would we go and ask anyone else? And yet we do. I'm a Catholic. I go to Mass. We have the prayers, you know, the prayers of intercession, prayers of the faithful. We do. People ask you all the time to pray. But if Jesus is already there, why would we need to? Well, when Jesus came on the earth, he established a kingdom. He, he revealed a kingdom, I should say. He revealed the kingdom of God. And in, and in the kingdom of God, things happen in certain ways. It actually doesn't matter 
if you agree or disagree with those. When I've traveled to different countries and you go to different places, you eat different foods, you have different rules, there's different laws. And it doesn't matter whether you agree, but if you're going into their world, that's what you do. Sometimes you go to different people's homes. And what you find is that different people's homes have different ways of doing things. And if you're going to go and be in that home and be friends with them, you accept the way they do things. Anyone can think about people like that? You accept what others do. And so Jesus comes along and he teaches us to pray. And he teaches us to pray. And and we have the great Sermon on the Mount we read in Matthew and, and in Luke. In, in, in chapters 5, 6 and 7 of Matthew, we read the Sermon on the Mount and Jesus, it's early in the piece and Jesus gathers everybody and he says, let me tell you how the kingdom works. And he talks about forgiveness and he talks about you know, your yes be yes and your no be no and you know, don't, don't say, don't, don't lie, tell the truth. You know, and, and, he, and he talks about divorce and he talks about all of these various things and he says, this is, this is kingdom ways. This is the kingdom ways of, of, of things that happen. You know, this is how you forgive. This is how you, you get over mistakes. And, and Jesus just lays out all of this. This is the kingdom. This is how it's done. Here, we're about to roll out over the next, over the next few months an entire way of our community, of this ministry of proclamation, We're going to roll out what our community will be for all those who are in other cities and other places around the world and for us here and for how we'll invite people to come and not just to attend but but to be part of it, to be one with us so that there isn't someone saying, well, there's you who do it and then there's others of us who visit. No, 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 that we would be one family. And so so Jesus comes along and he, he reveals the kingdom. Now, if you an Old Testament prophecy, when we understand prophets, what did a prophet do? A prophet didn't foretell the future. A prophet was someone who came and suggested an alternative way. And that way was always the kingdom of God. And so we read this passage now in John chapter 6, verse 5, and Jesus teaches them to pray. And we're answering this question. Why do we need to go to anybody else to pray if we can just go directly to God? In verse 5, it says this, And whenever you pray, do not be, be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, so that they may be seen from others, uh, by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward. So Jesus says, when you pray, don't do it in public. Be private in your prayer. But whenever you pray, go in to your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who's in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Your Father who sees the secret prayer of your heart will reward you. Verse 7. And when you're praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. And so then Jesus comes along and Jesus says, now let me teach you, let me teach you, um, let me teach you how to pray. Pray then in this way. 
Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts and we also have forg- as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. Now when you begin to see something, you begin to see something about kingdom. And that's this. It immediately becomes evident that we're part of a group, that we're part of a community, we're part of a body. It does not say, uh, uh, give me this day my daily bread. It does not say, and forgive me my debts. And it does not say, and as we are forgiven by you know, our debtors. And do, not, uh, and do not bring me to the time of trial. And rescue me from the evil one. It doesn't say that. It says, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors and do not bring us to the time of trial and bring us from the evil one. And we immediately get exposed to this, this concept of the body. That, you know, that we are in it together. We are not alone. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 18, verse 20, it says... For where two or three are gathered in my name, I'm there among them. Now the image of a language, and this is Catholic language, the image of the mystical body of Christ, as in it's not physical, the mystical body of Christ the, is, is, a, is scriptural imagery. And that, that's um, of the church, the people of God, drawn from the teachings of Jesus and Paul in his writings. So the mis- mystical body of Christ is scriptural imagery. It's drawn from what Jesus taught us and what Paul taught us. And it says that we're unified in Jesus and that as members we are interdependent and we are interwoven with each other in Jesus. That we are not independent. We are interwoven. We are interdependent. We are part of this, uh, this thing called the body of Christ. Um, and this is reflective of who God is himself. God is community, Father, Son, and Spirit. I said in the daily devotional this week, there are some people who come along and say, well, I'm a God the Father person, and they just pray to God the Father. And you meet these people who come along and say, well, I'm just a Jesus person, I just pray to Jesus, and I forget about God the Father and the Holy Spirit. And then you meet these people that I'm just a Holy Spirit person. And I don't talk to the Father or Jesus. And the truth is that that's not healthy. That's not healthy because we worship one God, three persons in one. And all three of those persons, all three of those aspects of God are who God is. And so to deny the fatherhood of God or the sonship of Jesus and the, and the leadership of Jesus and the victory of Jesus and the fact that all things happen and become because of Jesus or the power of the Spirit that goes between us and as St. Basil the Great says, and takes our prayer back to God. That to deny ourselves of any of those is to lessen the richness of what it is to call Christian. And, the, and Christianity is the God, uh, the God who is personal, 
who seeks relationship with you and me. It's the only religion where, the God, where God is personal, where God is seeking relationship, friendship with us. And so, and so, and so the, the Christian community, the body of Christ, is reflective of God himself, that it is about relationship. We are interwoven, we are interdependent upon each other. Um, and so Catholic teaching teaches this, is that when we go, into a, we go somewhere into the privacy of our room and we sin, we just don't sin against God in mind and action. We sin against the mystical body of Christ. That we, in a sense, damage the mystical body of Christ. It's why Catholic teaching is that the sacrament of reconciliation and confession, it is, it is the priest that, uh, the, it is God that forgives. The priest doesn't forgive us. But the priest represents the Christian community and in a sense re-establishes us into that Christian community after our sin because we have damaged the mystical body of Christ because we are interwoven and we are interdependent. We are not individual Christians who are running around having a relationship with God all by ourselves. That, that we are dependent upon each other. So, you know, so when we have needs and we need things from God, number two is we go to others to ask them to pray because it is the kingdom's way. It doesn't matter that we could think, but I can just go directly to God and say to God, God, can you give me all these things and I don't have to waste my breath or time. But that isn't the way that it seems that it was established by Jesus. No. Jesus said, come together and ask for your needs. Matthew 18, verse 18 says, And again, truly I tell you, if two of you agree on earth about anything you ask, it'll be done for you by my Father in heaven. Where two or three of you gathered in my name, I am there among you. And so when we have needs, we go directly to God and we go to, our other, uh, to others and we ask them, will you pray for this? Will you intercede? Will you stand between me and God? And will you ask that what I seek and need that God would do in my life? Now, how do we pray for each other? There's three things that we do when we pray. Is number one, we need to be intentional. We need to be intentional. We need to be specific and we need, and it requires effort. Right? There are three ways of praying. Pray, Three ways. And we can see this in Scripture, and we see it really clearly in Scripture. If we go to Mark chapter 2, verse 1. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. So many gathered, gathered around, there was no longer room for them, not even in front of the door. And he was speaking the word to them. And then some people came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. And when they could not bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And after having dug through it, they let down the mat on which the paralytic lay. So there were these four guys come along. They have a paralyzed man who can't get there. They bring him to Jesus. What did they want? They wanted healing. They were intentional. What was the intention? The intention is we want Jesus, we want you to heal this man. We couldn't get in. 
It was specific. He's crippled. Heal him. Um, it required effort because they got on the roof. And if you understood, roofs in those days were a combination of wood and mud and manure. And so when it's, the scripture says they dug through, they literally did. Right? And, and, and so here, and, so, and they layer him down. And then, and Jesus, what did he do? Jesus forgave and healed the paralyzed man, not for the man's own faith, but for the faith of his friends. Again, Jesus forgave and healed the paralyzed man, not for the man's own faith, but for the faith of his friends. When I realized that, I began to think to myself, how many of my friends, how many of my family members have not encountered and experienced the power and the blessing, the healing and the grace of God because I did not pray for them? Look at it again. Jesus forgave and healed the paralyzed man. Not for the man's own faith. It was not the crippled man that anything is said about. But for the faith of his friends. We need, and it's an uncomfortable thought, when we think about our children, our spouses, our friends, our circumstances, the world, is that, is that just maybe people have not experienced healing wholeness and his hand because we didn't ask specifically intentionally and with effort um, there's another example if you want one some people would say it's a better one from john chapter 2 verse 1 i remember studying this at university when i was studying theology on the third day there was a wedding in cana of galilee and the mother of jesus was there and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. And when the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. And his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. And we know what he, he does. Is he takes those six big giant vases and he makes enormously good wine that's meant to be served first and he makes it last typical of god he just shows off and does better you know and so what is it what do we see mary was intentional she notices she comes to jesus she says hey jesus i run out of wine and you know and and and, and she's specific can you do something about it that's the inference can you do something about it and uh, and, and, then, and, then, and then when he says woman, which was a completely appropriate way to speak to a, your mother and a woman in those days, you wouldn't say that today, but it was appropriate then. Um, you know, what's it got to do with me? She turns to them and says, do whatever he says. I love the fact, I've always loved that passage of scripture where Jesus just, where Mary just completely forgets who God, Jesus, the son of God is and just ignores what he has to say and says, I'm mother, do what he says. You know? You know? Now, where's the controversy in the denominations and what some of the things that we disagree with? Well, some, de some denominations, like the Catholic world, believe that we can pray to the angels and the saints in heaven for their intercession, while Protestants do not hold this view. They don't hold that view and believe we should just go directly to God. Um, and people often ask me for my view. 
and for my belief. And I always answer with one story that, that, has, that kind of made it clear for me uh, for a long time ago. Um, and it was when our daughter Melissa was in hospital. And on the day when they rolled her away, she was suddenly ill. And I remember them rolling her away and the surgeon saying to us, we don't know if she'll survive. And I remember sitting in the waiting room for hours and I, I texted every single person in the world who could pray. And I called everybody and I emailed everybody. And I thought to myself, up in heaven, you know, there are, you know my grandparents are up there. The saints are up there. And I remember saying, if there's anybody up there, you're there, you're in heaven, you're in his presence. Would you walk over and say, would you help? Would you help? You know? Um, and I've held that view ever since. That you, can, that you can pray to the angels and saints in the presence of God and ask for what? Their intercession. Their intercession. I, however, very strongly hold the view that God is the one and only source of life and is the only one that can do. All that anyone else can do, without exception, is point to God, can bring it to his attention, to ask for his, his intervention. That it is, God, that it is God who heals, it is God who makes situations right, it is God that answers prayers. No one, no one, no one else. It is God and God alone. Um, no one in heaven and earth has the power to do those things but God himself. You know? And so the power, the purpose, and the place of intercessory prayer in our life. The power of God, the power is this. God told us to. God told us to ask him, to ask the Father, and to ask others. Uh, the purpose is to have our needs met. We have our needs met. We've all got needs. We've all got hopes, dreams. We've got things in our past as you get older and you begin to regret. Missed opportunities, things that you wish you hadn't done, things that you should have done, things you said you shouldn't have said, things you sh times when you should have said some things. We've all got them as you get older. You know? And the place, it's normal part of our everyday life we should share with others our needs. It's normal. It's Christian. It's kingdom. And when we stop and we say, well, I'm just proud because I don't want someone to know me, or even worse, and I would argue sinful, I'm a private person. We deny kingdom. It doesn't mean that we splash all of our thoughts across the whole world we don't it's why I say to people who go to our prayer wall and write on our prayer wall if you have needs I always say to people don't use people's names you know because not everybody there is is sensitive not everybody is careful with people's details but we should go to people and we should pray ask them to pray for us you know but to pray for us so how do we pray how do we ask God we come before God and we ask God in we do it in personal prayer we do it in personal prayer and we're intentional and specific in that moment in personal prayer. We do it in communal prayer. When we come together, we're meeting together. Um, when, when we're meeting together. 
So in our personal prayer, we should, we should deliberately be asking God over and over, God, here's my needs. If you keep a prayer journal, you should write in the back of your prayer journal, what are my prayer needs? And some prayer needs you will have that are instant and I need them now. Some will be lifelong prayer needs that you pray for for a long period of time. Those of us who are grandparents, no doubt we pray for our grandchildren. And the fruit of our prayer will not be seen in our lifetime. But we pray, you know. Our communal prayer is when we gather together and we pray for needs. That we should pray over and for. Over people and for people's needs, specifically. And that's why on our daily devotionals every Saturday, we devote our Saturday daily devotional to praying for needs. So that people around the world, people here, people in our ministry would know that we are praying. And we are, doing, we, are, we are doing what God said. We're living according to kingdom. Thirdly, when we want God to work, we should fast. Scripture is very, very clear that fasting and the effort we put in and, and saying to God, God, I'm prepared to deny that which I would want in order that your will and way would be established in this way. It's just scriptural. And we could give a whole message on that. And I appreciate to new Christians or to people not, who have been at church in a long time, fasting is not maybe a concept they understand. But if you read the scriptures, it's clear. And then fourthly, when we want our prayer needs met, we need to have dedicated times, extra hours, praying while the meeting, for example, this meeting that's about to go on. We need to have, we need, we need to, people need to pray when it's on. One of the things that I know the team does here when I travel is they have times of prayer. I know that individuals here, when I'm at meetings, will all pray that specifically at that very hour when I'm in the midst of doing things, will pray. I know when we have done ministry and we've been sharing the gospel in different places that there have been people in prayer at that very moment at times. The whole concept of the engine room prayer team came up because I heard of a, of a man last century who was very successful in England and his ministry was phenomenally big what he did and touched many people's lives and people used to always ask him about how come how did it work and why did it work the way it did and he made the comment and he made the, and, and he never used to tell anybody and then one day there was a journalist there and he said to the journalist he said to the journalist uh, a journalist asked him he said well come on I'll show you and he took them around the back of his church and he went underneath and it was a big massive church and underneath while he preached upstairs the next service there were 700 people underneath just praying for the entire time he preached that people would yield their lives to Christ the reason we don't experience miracles like we should so often is because we don't pray in the way that we should we hope rather than depend on God you know we, 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 we wish good, good luck upon people rather than surrender our heart to him. You know? And so my reason for giving this message is this, is that there are so many of us who are in need of the hand of God in our life. And we need to go to God and we need to go to the Christian community and we need to know that that Christian community will pray for us that we are part of this mystical body of Christ. And that, well, so we could stop and we could say, I don't need anyone else 
I could just go direct to God. God established it that we would go to each other because we are interwoven and we are interdependent because we are part of this body. And whilst we can wrong the body by our sin, we can bless the body by our prayer and the dedication of our life. And so I'm asking you to pray. I'm asking you to pray when I go to these meetings that, that as we gather and that we would be, we, as we raise up many other women and men in different places to do ministry, to proclaim the gospel, as we here begin to roll out our plans of reaching more people and building a stronger and more vibrant community of people for our children, for ourselves, you know, that, that the kingdom of God would be established. What would happen? What would happen if we made a decision to not live as people who just turn up to church, but we made a decision to live according to the kingdom? If we were prepared to, uh, to implement the principles of the kingdom, of going to God, of asking God to meet our needs, and being dependent on each other. And then when, when someone says to us, will you pray for me? We don't just stop and, and say, yeah, I'll pray for you. And never give it another thought. Um, I know none of you have ever done that. But maybe I have. What would happen if we made a decision to live kingdom in the world? Loving Father, we come before you today because you are so good. And Lord God, of course, we seek to be the people you've called us to be. You've called us to be part of this body of Christ that's so much bigger than what is before me here or even what is watching all over the world. Father, I ask in Jesus' name through the power of your Holy Spirit that the many needs that many of us have in our lives, that you, Lord God, would meet. Lord God, that you would come because we come direct to you and because we come and we ask our friends, our loved ones, members of our church, that they would pray as well. Lord God, come. And Lord, maybe today there are some of us who've allowed Jesus to slip out of the center of our life. We, we've got distracted by the things of life and we've allowed Jesus to slip. If that's the case, forgive us. And right now, Lord Jesus, we invite you back into that central place of our life, the center. Allow us to be led by you, to experience you and allow you to drive and be in the driving seat of our life. We give our lives to you. And Father, we make this prayer in the name of Jesus through the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.